There are fixed points through time where things must always stay the way they are. This is not one of them. This is an opportunity. The future pivots around you. Here. Now. What are you doing? Protecting our race against the apes. Who are you? You and the Doctor. I trust the Doctor with my life. But this is war. It's not a chance. Prepare them for execution. Give me back my family. The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and I am so happy to welcome back, and I'll start this week with... Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? Doing pretty good, man. Uh, it's about as well as can be expected. Yeah, happy to be on another episode. How about you, man? I can't complain, but I'm going to hold... I did, I did have something cool happen today, sort of, kind of, maybe, but I want to hold that off until I can also say, welcome back, Lee Shackelford. How are you? Oh, uh, I'll have to unmute myself. Uh, yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay. This is my this is my fourth meeting of the day that we're on. So, uh, yeah. Well, we're yeah. going to make this. I'm not going to say. I don't know who your other meetings is with, so I won't say it is the most entertaining you've had. But I will say it is the most entertaining fourth meeting that you've had. <laughs> yeah, it's also bound to be the most entertaining. So, yeah. You know, I will do my best to be entertaining because. Excellent. You, you, cause you guys always have fun with me anytime I go to the dentist and <laughs> I spent literally the morning in the dentist as in, I got there at eight o'clock. They started giving me that wonderful gas about eight fifteen, and I wound up having to have a second tooth that I didn't know that needed to be worked on, worked on. And I was there till about 1115. So probably for the most Part of that time, I was like on the nitrix oxide gas. Yeah. So I'm in a good mood today. Yeah. I should get a, I should get some of that. So as you guys know, one of the things and anybody listening knows that anytime that I've ever said that I go to the dentist and it happens to be on the day that we record, I will make mention of me choosing some version of the doctor's time vortex to visualize as I'm starting to get the gas. And today I couldn't come up with one. And what I found myself doing was I was hearing our recording of our 200th episode where we played the ultimate game. And I've never started laughing with that gas before. Mm. But today I heard Nicole say, oh, Dalek Khan. But this time she said, oh, Dalek Kyle. And for some reason, that was hilarious to me. And so I like start laughing right in the middle of them trying to put a crown on a tooth. <laughs> There's a reason they call that laughing gas. Yes. And now I know why. Yes. So every time I hear Nicole now do the Odalic Khan, I will think of that. Yeah. Well, as always, guys, I'm happy to have you here. I'm happy to be here. And this week, because we have not had this in quite a while, we've got some news. 
And I say that with a question mark because we may not know if this is true or not, but it's sort of newsworthy. So, Lee, our unconfirmed news, what is it? Probably anybody listening to this has heard this by now, but um, it it got passed around enough on social media in the last couple of weeks that people are starting to pass it on as saying, well, I guess that's that. But um, yeah, it it is uh, the uh, Jody Whitaker and Chris Chibnall are both out after Series 13, which is next year. Um, So they're going to do one more and then they're gone. According to my source, somebody says this will indeed be Chris Chidmull and Jodie Whittaker's final season on Doctor Who. Yes, we've heard this before, but this time for real. As far as the next Doctor is concerned, according to my source, it's still up in the air whether it's going to be male or female. Obviously, no decision has been made about that. It might not be for years. That's a completely substanceless statement. Um, he goes on to detail that the events of the timeless children will not be retconned. Interesting. And let me tell you why I think that might be possibly false, because what I thought you were about to say was something else that I had seen that was similar, but similar as only that it had to do with Jodie Whittaker and it had to do with Chibnall. But it was in the complete reverse that Doctor Who, I believe, had been renewed officially for three more or two more series after 13, and that Chibnall and Whitaker were both staying through 15. Yes, and I have also seen that, and my feeling is that that's the one that's legit. That's what I think. But you know what that just proves? It proves that there are some moments that are fixed moments that cannot be changed, and some <laughs> moments, like we had in this story, are fluid and they can be changed. Yes. Uh, or at least when it's convenient. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> right. What is convenient, and I think you guys will enjoy this, we have more feedback. You flew into the wild and fire. Oh, Dalekon. All right. Our feedback is a two-part feedback, and it comes from our friend Vanessa McNamara. And the first is some feedback on Vampires of Venice. So I'll read the first one. And then we can comment on it. Then I'll read the second one. And then we, of course, can go forward. So Vampires of Venice. She says, what I really wanted to mention is a certain camera shot that I just love. It's not something that I usually pay all that much attention to. So when I notice one, I really and always like to share it. After the doctor walks out of the throne room and exits through the gate, the camera seems to stay still while he walks in and out of the frame, while he's glancing sideways. I found this especially interesting because Saul Metzen, who directed Matt in later episodes, but not this one, said having him glance to the side was one of the methods Matt used to make the doctor look more ancient. Thoughts? Interesting. That certainly makes me want to go back and look at that again. Interesting. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, I don't know if I've ever paid that much attention to the shot, but it does make sense. Because uh, he, of course, goes into this different mode when he gets that, you know, I'm the older person in charge look about him. Uh, so, yeah, I, I need to go back and watch myself as well. Well, let me tell you what it also does for me. It's going to make me look more into who is directing, and I'm going to be looking for Saul Metzen's name going forward so that I can see, okay, let me get these sideways glances, because 
And that's cool. And there is something like you guys just said that Matt does do when he wants to be that I'm the old guy in the room. You better pay attention. So the next part comes from Amy's choice. And she says, first, this episode is special to me because it is the first one that I sent Nicole feedback on. Like Nicole, I'm quite moved by the scene where the doctor tries to comfort Amy. But I'd like to add something I don't hear a lot of people say. Nicole mentioned that scene in the van with the Dream Lord. Well, after the Dream Lord disappears, the doctor starts picking up people to take them to safety. This, to me, is the character of the doctor. I'm pretty sure that he suspects that the village is the dream, but he saves them anyway. <laughs> so thanks for the a most enjoyable episode. I always extra enjoy it when Nicole is there, but I found all of your thoughts quite interesting. So what are our thoughts on that particular piece of feedback? I wish you would have brought it up because I really didn't contemplate it on it on it too much. But, yeah, he probably is aware that this is the dream. I mean, of course, he doesn't know 100 percent, but he's etching tar. This is the dream. But yet and still the possibility that someone might be left behind. He He still can't. Let that go. He has to still try to save as many people as he can if this is indeed real. So, yeah, that that um, I really like that point of view. And, yeah, he was putting he and Amy in jeopardy by stopping and picking up people. So, yeah, that's the character of the doctor. Well said, my friend. Well said. All right. So I have one final question before we move forward. Gentlemen, do you have anything else before we get into our review? Not I. Neither do I. So that means that I get to say, if you have not seen Cold Blood, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review Cold Blood. This is the ninth episode of the 2010 series of Doctor Who, first airing on the 29th of May 2010. It starred Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor, Karen Gillan as Amy Pond, and Arthur Darville as Rory Williams. So, summary view, and Lee Shackelford, I'll start first with you. Summary view, what did you think? I really enjoyed this, and my memory of it was that it was kind of um, cerebral, that it was all sort of up in your head and, and very talky. I don't know where I got that from because this the, the pace of this does not let up. It's it's very actually very action oriented. This episode is uh, another pleasant surprise. Uh, all the things Lee said, um, a lot of action. Uh, I feel like we got a little bit of. Amy being independent as well as uh, Rory being independent. So I like that to them try to be the best doctor they can be. So I thought that was interesting. And then the heartstrings at the end. I mean, come on, man. Wow. Yes. So I'm going to, you know, once again, agree with both of you, as I so am inclined quite often to do. And I'm going to kind of phrase it in a way of saying, I don't go back and watch this episode. This is probably the third time I've seen it, like I said last week, and I have no clue what I had against this episode. And as far as Chris Chipnell, I'm just going to go ahead and say kudos, Mr. Chipnell, that this is a very, very good episode. I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but 
I had fun with this because I didn't remember how this ended. I didn't know what and who and how and when other than I knew how the ultimate end would be with Rory having, you know, something happened to him. And yes, I know we'll get into it, but wow, I had fun. Absolutely had fun. So the name of this story is called Cold Blood, and it is something that I love the play on words with the meaning here. So Clarence, I'll start with you on this question first. Any thoughts on were they being really clever by the use of cold blood as the title for this? Mm, well, I just thought it was the uh, Slurians is the reason, but uh, maybe something I'm not getting. Mm. What about you, Lee? Oh, uh, well, no, I, I, I get that. It, it said definitely refers to the Silurians, but yeah, would you say that the, the violence that was done by one of us, that wasn't really, that wasn't cold blooded either. That was, that was an act of passion. So I, I want to say that the irony is that we're the cold blooded killers, but, but, but we're not. At least it's, it's a title that sort of makes you think, makes you question that. And, mm. I don't know. And I asked that question that way, you know, specifically or with purpose, because I was curious if you guys would go the route that I obviously was going with it. And I was wanted to pose it in a way rather than just say, hey, do you think the mother was a cold blooded killer at that point? Because, yes, she was prompted. But and maybe because I don't have a kid, I have a different mindset here. But I kind of point her to a little bit more of being she kind of killed her in cold blood. Because, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Alea is laying there writhing in pain as she's electrocuting her to death. Yeah, she, she doesn't let up. I, I, I had forgotten the degree to which she struggles with that, though, that she after she's she's zapped her the first time. She's repentant. I mean, she says, oh, my God, I had no idea it would be like this. You know, can I help you? But then when uh, Alea wants to wants to fight with her, she zaps her again. Uh, if they're supposed to be reptiles, you know, <laughs> I, don't th- I don't know if anybody is cold blooded in this story. It's all about passion. Clarence, let me ask you, do you see the mother's actions as being over and, you know, uh, over and above and, be, you know, she's just done wrong or I'm not saying do you agree with her, but what are your thoughts? Uh, the Even the doctor makes a statement about her not being the best of the human race, which I'll bring up later. But yeah, did she have a reasoning for want to, for wanting to get at Leia? Yes, she certainly did. But I think it goes back to what we've talked about before, what makes you a villain do the ends justify the means type of thing. Yes, she was trying to seek her family out, but I think they had a path to resolve the issue that her impatience got the best of her. I will say that. And, you know, I will give her this. This is something that leads into my favorite quote, which we'll get to later. But I, I've held on to my dislike of this character because the only thing that I remembered from this story going for the past 10 years has been my dislike for the mother. And I did not know why, but I kept that as my sole memory of this story as I dislike the mother. But having watched it again, by the end of the episode, my 
soul memory kind of transforms into something else, which we'll get mm. to in a little bit. Let's talk about the Silurian city. And Clarence, I'll start with you first this time. We, you know, we've made reference, and I think you're the one that brought this up originally when we got to series five about the up the ante, so to speak, of how everything looked. The first time they get into the city and you see the doctor and Nazarene walking into the city. What were your thoughts? What did you think? Yeah, I think everything about the the Solaria City was well realized. It looked quite beautiful, from my opinion. I mean, even from where we started in the last episode with that over the shot over the the ridge, we can, we can see the whole thing. And in this episode, we're walking across this bridge looking thing. But all the visuals there, I thought, worked really well for this inner cavern <laughs> Middle of Earth. I thought it all looked really good. And even going further to uh, the corridors and the tech and everything that they showed from Solarians, I thought it was well realized and really painted a world that I could believe. Cool. Lee, what say you? I, I never for a second doubt that they are uh, 22 miles underground uh, or much further, they said. You know, it, it's really very impressive. And I, I don't know how much of that is uh, built physically and how much is uh, in the computer. But uh, and I, you know, most of the time I couldn't tell you which is which. It's it's just remarkable. Uh, All right. So we see this debate start to happen. So to kind of set the scene here, the doctor is below ground. You see the other doctor who is the Silurian doctor and you see the sister, we'll call her. I mean, I guess she's her sister. You see the other, what was her, Restack. You see Restack, and she is, I would say, more of a general. She's in control down there. And you see them kind of having their, who's in control, you know, who this power struggle. Then we set up this Amy and Nazarene, and then this, I would say councilman or whatever his role was. So you've got the two sitting or the three sitting at the table and they're about to broker this piece. Question Lee Shackelford, what did you think of that setup and the way it started playing out? I'm curious. Uh, this is what I remember when I think about the episode. Uh, you, you remember that you didn't like Ambrose and I remember that I, 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 I had, Sort of my, my heart sank when they sat down and said, now we're going to talk. I said, oh, dear. <laughs> uh, but um, Stephen Moore as uh, L. Dane, I think, is, is wonderful. And it's and it's just it's fun to see Nazarene and Amy uh, g- getting to speak on behalf of the whole human race. <laughs> they hadn't expected to. Uh, and it's uh, it, it isn't static. It isn't as dire as I remember. And in fact, we sort of make a joke of it by having Amy put her head down on the table for most of this. <laughs> She's, apparently, this has gone on longer than she can take. She's had a big day. It's it's all really important. And it makes me think of something we'll see in the future, spoilers, with the Zygons. A thought that occurred to me this time that I don't think it occurred to me before is that the doctor tells everybody that um, this moment – which could change the future of life on Earth, on the surface of the Earth, uh, where we decide whether or not humanity and uh, Homo reptilicus is going to get along together and, and, and share the space. So this is not a fixed point in time. 
So anything is possible. Well, for, for story purposes, that's very exciting. For the internal logic of the show, <laughs> uh, I just had to say, it's not? How could that not be a fixed point in time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, whatever, you know, <laughs> still. Yes, it's almost like if, if this isn't a fixed point in time where maybe the Salarians could be ruling Earth, doesn't that right. break every fixed point in time after this? <laughs> right. right, yes. <sighs> yes. Okay. Thank you. That's my point exactly, yes. How could there be any other fixed points after this? <laughs> okay. So I've got an even better question. You know, they keep talking about this brokered peace that happens a thousand years from now. Well, did they just leave the Silurians, meaning the, did the humans leave the Silurians on planet Earth when they decided to go off into the wild blue yonder when the Earth blew up? Because I'm sorry, in the future, 50, you know, 51st century, et cetera, and so forth, I see a lot of humans, but I don't see any homo reptilians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something bad has happened. Yeah, yeah we, we, we maybe could complete Tony, Tony and uh, Nazarene's story. Come on, guys. Yeah. I need yeah. to see this. It takes a thousand years to get there, but yeah. I'm just saying, you know. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah, we, we, we don't see them in those future worlds, do we? But it's yeah. a good, you know, it's a good concept, but, um, it, I don't think they've ever played it out because I've always assumed that every Silurian warrior race that we've seen since then has been from the past, the, 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 the warriors that we see later in, uh, series six could possibly be from the future. We, we don't know that. So I may be That's proving true. Yeah. myself wrong here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, never know. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. There you go. I like it. Leave yourself an escape hatch. There That's you go. Sense. Well, what I did like speaking of leaving yourself an escape hatch is they almost ruined their escape hatch by killing Alea. So, what were your thoughts about how Rory reacted to this decision of, oh, well, we've got peace. This is all we need to do. Everybody's going to walk away happy. But Ambrose has killed Alea. Clarence, what did you think? Well, it's it's the fact that you've known you've messed up. You really did it this time. But how are you going to convey that in a way that doesn't make things much worse than they are right now. And the answer is, you really don't have a good way to do it. You just got to kind of tell the truth as much as possible. It's exactly what they did. But but real quick, what what I didn't get about Ambrose's killing of Alea, she killed her with a taser? Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay, anyway. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little weirded out by that, but but yeah, um you see Roy trying to take charge as they have this, you know, this view screen and they try to communicate to to the Salarians and Ambrose is is kind of taking over. And I'll just um I'll relate this to the negotiations that you guys were talking about just a second ago. Is the fact that anytime you're trying to broker a peace, you can't have the extreme right or the stream left be the ones to do it. We have, uh, what's his name? Um, the Ildane and you have, uh, Nazarene with Amy, uh, the cooler heads of the, <laughs> yeah. of both sides trying to broker this deal. And that's what I really liked about it. And, mm-hmm. and when we get this scene again with this view screen of when, when, um, when they're, when, the, when they're trying to talk to Rory, and Ambrose, uh, Ambrose just kind of blows it up, you know. So I don't know. I think Roy did the best job he could. 
Lee? Yeah, and really his alternative is to not go get Amy, you know, and he's this, he's not going to do that. Yeah. So he has to go, but he can't go by himself. So mm-hmm. there you are. Yeah. Oh, he's stuck. He's yeah. stuck. But does it not also have the underlining meaning of hitting on what Clarence said just a minute ago is sometimes you are confronted with the only alternative is tell the truth and accept the consequences. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately, you know, what this is here, because if they had have tried to cover it up, I mean, there's no way of covering it up. So really, at this point, it is here. Here's here's what happened. And I loved the doctor's reaction. And I'm curious to what you guys said oh, or boy. think. I loved his reaction and his I wrote down the fury of the doctor. Yeah, I I uh, just because I had been writing it uh, in our in our book chapter, uh, I, what I thought of was the ninth doctor. Uh, I really wanted the eleventh to say, "I've done it again." Picked up another stupid ape. <laughs> well, that would have been brilliant, considering the fact that they were calling them apes. They were calling them the apes, yeah. Or mm. or, <laughs> or it would have been confusing. Yeah, maybe they're right. Maybe you are stupid apes, but mm. vermin. But you know, the doctor recognizes that everybody didn't her there, just just her. Mm. Uh, I, yeah. Incidentally, have we mentioned that uh, Restack is once again Nev McIntosh? So Nev, Nev McIntosh is Alea and Restack, and brilliantly so. Brilliantly, yeah. yeah, I thought of them as being two completely different people, you know. But um, Reptilicus. But uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, spoiler, she will turn up as yet another Silurian later on. So, but anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I did say to myself, that Silurian has the best set of teeth I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That was the other thing. Yeah. And I meant to mention this last time. It's not just the eyes. It's just, it's the teeth also. I wish they had little pointy teeth. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, but anyway. Yeah. They really get some close shots on that in a couple of scenes. I'm like, man, she has some pretty teeth. Yeah. <laughs> lovely. And very human. Very, very, very. <laughs> anyway. But, but I just think, you know, I, I, and Clarence, I know I'm jumping ahead of you, but I just think that she is such, and I know that, well, I know that that particular makeup and the prosthetics were conditioned and made especially for her because all the others have the warrior mask on. So I get that, yeah. but <laughs> she, to, and, and I love Vastra. I love the character of Madame Vastra. And I just think that she does. She's one of those people that are, she's one of those actors that commands the stage when she's on it. And I think she's brilliant at it. And, you know, I'm a big fan. So now, you guys have met her, right? We have met Jenny. Oh yes, okay. The other I was half. Just say, of I was going to say I remember seeing a picture of you with. I was thinking that was with the Madame Vastra, yeah. But but yeah, Jenny. My surprise in that picture is that Jenny is like super tiny. Yes, especially <laughs> against someone who is six foot. Well, yeah, five. I put her next to Clarence and everybody. <laughs> but still, yeah, even by me. But yeah, yeah. but uh, Lord help her if she would have been with all three of us. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Clarence, what did you think of? of the doctor's fury with Ambrose. Yeah, that's what I expected. The doctor said everything we were feeling, the, sh- the shame of humanity at this point. You know, it, again, I'll go back to what we said before. Not like she didn't have reasons, but, 
it's the things you do to separate us from the, the bad guys or the evil guys. And to kill someone that's defenseless and under any circumstance uh, just feels shameful to me. And so the doctor says it, you know. This is one of the scenes in this story that I really, really like, but not because of him shaming her the way he did or having the fury the way he did, but it sets the stage for something else that he does that I will get to, you know, when we get to our favorite scene. And I couldn't have had that other one without this. I'll just leave that. I'll leave it at that is I thought Matt Smith acted that scene out brilliantly. He did a fantastic job there. So we get to the point to where we realize, or the doctor realizes, or there's this realization that peace cannot be had in our time. And the best thing to happen is they go back into hibernation again and everyone lives and everyone goes on to the next. But we see and sacrifice with Nazarene and Tony. So, Lee, I'll start first with you this time. Nazarene and Tony and her decision to stay. What were your thoughts? I remember being utterly charmed by that when I saw it first. And uh, and and I, even though I knew it was coming this time, I still just loved it. I was just waiting for it. Uh, you can appreciate it from a professional point of view. As she says, her whole life's work is about to be destroyed, which is only true in a certain sense. If If, if what she was interested in was digging into the earth to find out what's down there, well, my golly, now she knows. Yeah, so she says... I'm going to stay here. I'll go to sleep with him. We'll wake up in a thousand years. Yeah, I think I just think it's wonderful. Uh, the only thing I think I was missing from that scene, I wish he would have said, I don't have anything left behind, you know, because um, yeah. it seems kind of the spur of the moment to say that I'll wake up a thousand years from now. But, mm-hmm. you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll find out later. She's got a husband and six kids. Yeah. 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 She really <laughs> had a reason to get out of there. <laughs> So say we all, but yeah, we got the moment between her and Tony in the, in the previous episode that we saw they really had this, this connection. And yeah, I just think it's very touching that she would, she would, you know, stay with them for a thousand years. So what I found interesting was all these years, the only other thing that I could halfway remember about other than I didn't like Ambrose was I thought Nazarene died. So imagine my happiness whenever she goes to sleep, because I was like, oh, well, she's the lady that I liked and wanted to be a companion. But so she had to have died to not travel with him. And then, oh, this is what happened. That was cool. I, I, I was happy that she went to sleep instead of dying. She's just on ice somewhere. So speaking of dying, you know, we see they get back to the TARDIS and right before they get to the TARDIS, knock, knock, who's there? It's the crack in the universe. And the doctor decides to go poke his hand in the crack in the universe. I got a problem with that. All right, go for it. <laughs> so if the light reaches Rory, as with the people on the Byzantium, and they're gone from existence, how can the doctor reach his hand into the light? And be okay. I'm just wondering. That bothers me too. And and there is, uh, I think there is sort of a sideways attempt to explain it because uh, Amy can still remember the clerics from the Byzantium who were taken by the 
the energy from the crack. Uh, so they haven't ceased to exist for her. And the doctor says that's because she's a time traveler now. Mm. I, I mean, I realize that's a that's a BS explanation, but still, it, it's something, right? <laughs> but she she's been traveling in the TARDIS, so now she is immune to whatever it is that makes uh, people for, uh, forget that those ever existed. But the doctor says Rory's different because he's part of your world. Eh. Okay, but <laughs> so again, <laughs> that's an attempt to explain it. So then, if you go out on that limb one more step it's like well the doctor of course has been traveling through time for nearly a thousand years he can put his hand in the yeah okay so, so yeah. it's like it's by degrees the more you've traveled in time the less the crack can affect you oh, i can buy that I... it's an attempt you know it's because a... <laughs> really we just really want him to get in there and pull something out of the crack and so we got to come up with an explanation for all right so i'm going to say considering the fact that Spoilers, we know what the explosion is that caused it, caused mm-hmm. it, excuse me. I don't see, I mean, after all, the, the TARDIS chose the Time Lord and ran away with the Time Lord. I don't see the TARDIS destroying the Doctor. So that's how I envision why he was able to reach into the explosion is because of what that explosion is, that he was not mm-hmm. a, a race. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's 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 my uh, um, warped view of of that reality. So, or I could just say, you know, go back to rule number one: the doctor lies. Yeah, but it does have to make. It still has to make some sense internally. I mean, you can't just say that about everything. It's it, <laughs> there has to be some re, some reason why it all hangs together. Or yeah, I guess rule number Do nineteen, you- section five dot <laughs> two. Right. Refer to rule number five. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We see that he pulled something out. Obviously, we don't know what that is yet, but we do see that Rory gets shot by Restack and dies. So, Lee, why don't you start first for us this time? Rory dies for the first time, but he dies. Thoughts? Did you say, did you say for the first time? Yes. Um, not the first time because he, for the second yeah. time, yeah, he got he got to, he got to turned to dust uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I this is amazing to me. I, I I wonder if if my advanced age is finally starting to show on me, wearing a bit thin, because I I had forgotten that that spoilers that part the sort of a running joke of these of of Amy and Rory's time on the show is that Rory keeps dying. And, and, and thinking about that now, how could I have forgotten that? It's, I don't know, it's so much a part of, uh, of what goes on with the two of them. But yeah, so yeah, maybe that is spoilerific for people who haven't heard of this. But yeah, uh, don't worry about the fact that Rory's dead. It's going to keep happening. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get him back and then we'll lose him again. <laughs> Just yeah. to keep repeatedly killing Rory. But this one is so, so heartbreaking because the doctor knows that if he that if he lets Amy do what she wants to do, which is stay with Rory, she'll go into the crack too. So he has to take her into the TARDIS by main force and carrying a. Has the Doctor ever carried a screaming, crying, put me down companion before? Mm. I can't. I can't think of any other. It's just the worst. It's just lock the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And then lock her in. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's it's such a powerful scene. So, Clarence, what did you think? 
Yeah. Um, what's what's even worse than losing a loved one? And you, yeah, I, I guess you hear about this all the time, or a lot of people experience it. It's forgetting them. They don't want to forget. Mm. You don't want to have that first day. You go to full day. And you didn't even think about them, you know. But she has. She knows that any moment now, she will have no recollection of them whatsoever. So that's that's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot, man. Got to feel for Amy there. So do we think? The doctor had something up his sleeve, or do you think he was playing it as, you know, by, you know, playing as it, as it happened? Well, since I don't remember anything that happens after this, I remember the big points, but I don't remember the small stuff. So, um, I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not going to answer my own question then. Yeah. So, hmm. but well, I guess I will say with, with, without giving any say is I will say I think he was. I think he, I, I don't know if he knew what or how, but I think he knew something was going to be okay because that ring does not disappear. And it could be because the ring was protected because it was inside the TARDIS, maybe so. But I felt like that was an anchor for Rory. Well, I mean, to, to, to drive it in and twist it even more, we have the end scene where at the very beginning of this two-parter, we saw the older Rory and Amy waving, and now it's just Amy. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. What a, what a punch in the gut that is. Yeah. And she thinks for a second that she sees somebody else. Yes. But then decides she was wrong. Yes. That that was good. And I will go ahead and say my favorite scene before we get to favorite scene. I keep saying how brilliantly these actors acted these parts, but my favorite scene was Amy's reaction to Rory's death. And I'm talking about going from distraught to, you know, you know, to demanding the doctor do something to being distraught to fighting against the doctor to on a dime going from distraught to, oh, okay, everything's cool because I don't remember anything and I'm just Amy again. She did that without any hiccup whatsoever. Brilliant. So that's my favorite scene before we even get there. But it's all in those, it's all in those big old eyes of hers. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. You're right. It is just like you, you can see that somewhere inside her head, there's a switch that's been thrown. It is just amazing. Yeah. Brilliant. I have a question, gentlemen. Are there any other items or topics or points that you guys had that we have not covered before we get into you guys' favorite scene? I, I, maybe this is one of those things where a listener will uh, will comment about this and, and help me figure solve this mystery. I'm trying to remember. Uh, think about the the, the sting that uh, Tony has. For one thing, we never quite got to the, the the whole science about that. The doctor says you're not dying, you're mutating. Mm. Uh, okay, but I'm just talking about the the visual appearance of it. It it, it looks like a, a web, or more precise, it looks like veins on the surface of his skin, which is really uh, creepifying and and, <laughs> and awful. And you can tell that something is obviously not right. But you just sort of think of the medicine of it. Think why would it look like that? Yeah. But I bring it up because in one of the Cybermen stories, there's a there's a virus, uh, and we find out later it's it's actually the sting of a Cybermat, if I'm remembering this right. But anyway, it looks the same. It looks like that. Hmm. 
And I think this is a very deliberate throwback uh, or callback, I mean, to a classic series when somebody else got stung and the outward manifestation of the growing poison was that this, they had that kind of uh, a livid vein on the outside of their – that was showing through their skin like that. But I cannot remember what story that was in or if I'm right about it being uh, from the uh, – that it had anything to do with the Cybermen or – Somebody, somebody will know. Somebody who listens to this show will know. And, and the visual yeah. may be totally different, but for some reason, and maybe it's the color, it reminded mm. me of the Green Death. Well, and their, I, and their I, visual I, may be totally different to that. Now, I actually think that this, that what I'm describing, that that's it was so cool that they've actually used it a couple of times. So that may be the Green Death as well. Mm. Uh, I don't know. We'll get to that. Who knows? Who? Maybe a listener knows, and like you said. They may send us a message on our Facebook page at d- facebook.com slash discussing who. And I didn't say yeah. backslash. Please. <laughs> All right. Clarence Brown, any other items from you? Uh, only other thing I'd point out is, uh, Amy being the pick, pick pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't expect that, but I thought it was pretty cool. So yeah, I love that scene. All right. Then my question then becomes to you, your favorite scene. Mm, my favorite. I have a few that I could pick, but I think I'm going to go with the reveal of the Silurian army. It made me think of Star Wars, actually, and maybe a slightly lesser version of the Stormtrooper army that you may see in any of the Star Wars movies. So I, I, I like that scene. I like that visual. I, I think that's deliberate, too, Clarence, because it struck me the same way. This image of a group of people standing inside a... Um, uh, uh, it looks like a line painted on the floor. <laughs> and then, you know, 10 feet away, there's an identical uh, group of people standing. Uh, uh, yeah, I know that somewhere in the in the Star Wars films, there is that exact image. <laughs> of, yeah. uh, it's like, OK, guys, you go stand over there in that, and that we'll, we'll go stand over here in this one. <laughs> All right. Lee Shackelford, your favorite scene. I got to go. With, I got to go with yours, too. It's just uh, because favorite doesn't mean the one that we. You know, we think it's funny or it makes us feel good always. It's just got to be, uh, it's got to be the one that, that you, you will think of and admire most from the episode or just that you admit was the most moving. Uh, but this, this whole thing of watching Amy forget Rory is so heartbreaking. And the way Karen Gillan and Matt Smith play that scene is it just, it's monumental. It's, it's, it's an extraordinary pair of performances. Now, what, what a scene. What a scene. Awesome. Awesome. So favorite quote, and I'll go in reverse order this time and start first with you, Lee Shackelford. Favorite quote. I just love that in the end, the doctor who really, if he was in one of his other moods, he would have done something terrible to Ambrose, who really has been kind of the source of their trouble. But uh, And she knows. And right at the end there, they're standing out at the church, and she says, you could have let those things shoot me. You saved me. And the doctor says, I love this, an eye for an eye, it's never the way. Now you show your son how wrong you were and how there's another way. You make him the best of humanity in the way you couldn't be. Mm. That's that's tough love. But the doctor's already charged Elliot with, you know, creating the legacy for a thousand years. (laughs) Yeah. So they've got their work cut out for them. (laughs) But I I love that. All right. So Clarence Brown. Oh, man, I got a couple. Which to choose? <laughs> uh, I think I'll go when Rory got uh, zapped by Ristak. And he says the words, 
I don't understand. We were on the hill. I can't die here. Fixed points? Question mark? <laughs> yeah. Right. He saw it. He has seen yeah. the future. He knows. Yeah. Mm. Spoilers. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to have to say, Lee Shackelford, you're quite brilliant because that was my favorite quote. Excellent. And, you know, I said at the beginning that my opinion of Ambrose changed as I watched this story. And the two things that connect the change is what I said started with the fury of the doctor, because at that point he admonishes her and he belittles her to, you know, and makes her feel very, very small. But what I, and, and I think that was needed in my opinion. But on the flip of that, at the end, there is a redemption for her because he shows her this other side of him that is, you know, softer, more kind. But, you know, all of us have done things that we wish that we could take back and that we yeah. did in the heat of the moment yeah. and et cetera and so forth and so on. Yeah. And, and we it, have to live with that. But I love the fact that it made her live with that, accept the consequences, but still be better than what she was. And I loved that redemption for her somewhat at the end. So favorite quote from me. And Clarence, you were about to say something? Now, I was just going to add, like, what makes him telling her uh, that she's so much less than the best humanity even worse is you look at the husband. The husband has this weird looking stuff. It felt like he stepped back a bit. I, I have to go back and watch. But even the son <laughs> walks away like the people she'd been doing this for are looking at her like she's a horrible person because of what she's done in their name. Even so much as the grandfather says, don't blame your mother. You know, when he's saying goodbye to this grandson is don't basically don't hate your mother for what she's done. And, and out in the audience, we, we hope that's going to save that relationship because yeah, that could, that could be very bad otherwise. Yeah. So final rating and Clarence, I'll start with you. Final rating one to five. What say you? I will give this episode 4.2 geothermal gravity bubbles out of yeah. five. Yeah. Okay. Lee Shackelford, because I had to, I was thinking of what my item is going to be, and I just thought of it, but I want to ask Lee Shackelford <laughs> first, what say ye? I'm going to give it four and a half pieces of the TARDIS phone book sign. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So I would have given it originally probably a, I don't remember what I would have given it because I didn't remember the episode, but I'm going to give it, considering what I said at the very beginning of this episode, I'm going to give it a solid four O'Dalek Kyles of, uh, <laughs> as a rating for me. There you go. That leaves me with one final question. Clarence Brown, where else might you be found on the internet? I'm just going to say it's, they locked in to discussing network.com for all of our shows uh, where you can, you know, choose which one you want to listen to. Just click play, you know, check them out, subscribe and all of the good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Lee there. I'm just, I'm going to encourage people to, uh, to hang with us on the relativity podcast, which you find on relativitypodcast.com. Cause you know, if nothing else, we're almost done. No. No. Oh. Just oh, hang in there. Hang in there. And if you're listening to us now, that means that episode number 53 is already out. And that means that that was one of my favorite episodes of Relativity that I've listened to. So kudos to everyone involved, particularly Mr. Clarence Brown. I think you like home run 
that. And editing wise, Mr. Shackelford, hands down to you. Brilliant. Awesome. Thank, thank you very much. That one was fun to work on. Yeah. By the time this goes out, um, people may be hearing episode 55, which is, has been a witch with a capital <laughs> B to edit. So I'm, I'm kind of proud of that one. Although I don't know if anybody will be able to tell, but wow. Wow. It's just been a hard, it's just been hard. <laughs> anyway. What's not hard for me to say is I am so excited because next week is one of my favorite Matt Smith episodes, Vincent and the Doctor. Mine and, too. Yeah. And unless there is something wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey that will prevent this from occurring, I would want to suggest to anyone listening, you go out and check oz-9.com, oz 9 because we will be joined next week by the one and only Shannon Perry. Yay. Yay. I will, you know, try to get all of my fanboyness out before we start. So it will be saying. a nod that it would not be a good day for the gas. I'm just saying. There you go. It will. <laughs> believe, believe it or not. Uh, and I actually quoted you late. Shannon actually messaged me while I was under the whole gas kitten caboodle and I, responded back she did i said well as lee she says i hope your face is okay and i say well as lee has often said i have a face for radio laugh out loud it's okay they must think i'm royalty because they keep giving me crowns (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty good actually thank you sir thanks everyone for listening this has been fun and i hope you have enjoyed as much as we have enjoyed recording and with that we will be back next time. Dun, 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 dun. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?